Welcome to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. Life Study emphasizes the capital L life that can be found in the scriptures. Jesus said in John 6:63, "The words I have spoken to you are spirit and are life." This is the fruit of over 70 years of ministry by Watchman Nee and Witness Lee. Watchman Nee began his ministry in China in the 1920s and it continued until his imprisonment and eventual martyrdom in the 1970s. Witness Lee brought this ministry to the United States in 1962 and began speaking these life study messages in 1974, completing it in 1995. To find out more, you can visit our website, lifestudy.com. Again, that's lifestudy.com. Now, let's join today's program. With us once again today is Ron Kangas. Ron, welcome back. It's nice to have you as a part of this life study. I'm glad to be here once again to explore the experience of Christ as our life. This ministry has a unique characteristic of bringing insight and light to passages of Scripture that most of us have never considered uh, in any kind of a serious way. And this is particularly apparent in our study today from Genesis chapter 49, Here is a chapter where Jacob is blessing his 12 sons in a poetic and also a prophetic way. And we're going to see in the beginning that this passage on the surface seems difficult to find an application to our Christian life, but certainly we will see it before we're through. But Ron, why is it necessary to apply all of these portions of the Old Testament to our experience? If our interest is merely in knowing the facts recorded in black and white letters, and if our interest is merely in history, then no application is necessary. But a life study is not only a study of the text according to the truth, but life, by definition, is a matter of spiritual experience. So, if we want to see what connection there is in Jacob's blessing his sons prophetically and spiritual experience, we have to apply them. The mystery of interpreting this portion of the word partially rests on the fact that it takes a person with experience to understand the significance of these passages for experience. This is another reason why I appreciate this ministry so much. It is faithful to the truth of the Word, but it's rich in the experience conveyed by that truth. Well, Ron, without dispute, we've had one in our midst that has this combination that you just spoke of. Let's join him now for today's life study from Genesis chapter 49. To... uh understand this chapter, you have to understand the Bible in black and white. 
Then you have to know the history of the children of Israel. Then you have to have the experience of Christ and the church life. Then number four, you have to know how to allegorize the Bible. Right? Verse by verse. From verse 8 to verse 14. In Genesis 49, if you don't know how to allegorize the Bible, you could never understand this portion of the word. Judah, firstly, is second to young lion, then to lamb, then to lioness, then you had vine, then you have the choice vine, then you have the uh, foal, F-O-L, and they have the coat, bound to the vine. What does all this mean? Then verse, yes, verse 13 says, Zeppelin is the heaven of the sea. Not heaven. <laughs> but the heaven of the sea. And what is this? And then Iskar is his tongue ass. Crouching, not crouching. Between sheepfolds. What does this mean? And he saw that rest was good. Surely everybody would say rest is good. <laughs> and he saw that the land was pleasant. What does all this mean? To integrate things is not so easy. You need the knowledge, the understanding, the wisdom, and also what? The spirit plus experiences. You need the experiences of Christ and of the church life. And lastly, you need to know how to apply the types to the actual today's situation. And by reading such a portion, surely we realize this is not the light word. It can poetry written by the Father. As you can prophesy with blessing. It's quite grandeur. It does mean a lot to us, so we must try the best to get into it. Ron, we have spoken before about the Old Testament providing pictures of the realities of the New Testament. Of course, we know that these are two different dispensations in God's economy, so a question could be asked. Shouldn't then the things of the Old Testament remain separate from the New Testament? This question should be answered with both a yes and a no. Yes, the things of the Old Testament should remain separate from those of the New Testament as far as dispensation is concerned. God works along particular lines in a given age, and we should not confound them or confuse them. For example, God's dealing with us in the age of grace differs in principle from his dealing with Israel in the age of the law. And the real worship in the New Testament in spirit and truthfulness differs from the outward, visible 
physical worship in the Old Testament. So we need to uphold necessary distinctions. On the other hand, no, we should not separate the Old Testament from the New Testament for at least three reasons. One, there is one line of development throughout the entire scriptures. So we should not divide up this line of development, but follow it through from stage to stage, from Genesis to Revelation. Second, in the Old Testament, we have pictures of the realities or the truths unveiled in the New Testament. So in a sense, we are like children reading a book that has both pictures and explanations under the pictures. So we need the pictures in the Old Testament and the clear definition in the New Testament. Third, if we separated these wonderful chapters from Genesis from the New Testament, we would lose a great deal regarding the significance of these chapters for our experience of life. We are emphasizing life, so we are emphasizing the wholeness of the Scripture as it gives us a picture and a definition of the experience of our wonderful, all-inclusive Christ as life for the corporate expression of Christ, the body of Christ. Thank you, Ron. We have another picture in front of us and another explanation. Let's rejoin Witness Lee. You all have to be impressed thus far through the first growth of Reuben, Simeon, and Levi. Christ has not come in yet. In Reuben, of course, you can't see Christ. Neither in Simeon. Even in Levi, you can't see Christ. In Levi, to the uttermost, it was by his faithfulness, absoluteness, and desperation, the Lord gave him the priesthood. You can have the priesthood there, but you couldn't see Christ there. Now, we all have to be impressed. It is until Judah comes in. Christ is here. At least Judah, in a passive sense, typified Christ. Yes, Jacob had 12 sons, but Christ came out of Judah only. So in the Bible, even it says Christ is the Lion of Judah. Right? The Lion of the tribe of Judah. So Christ belongs to Judah because he comes out of Judah. And if you are going to understand these few verses, verses 8 through 12, you have to apply Christ to Judah. Firstly, Christ was the young lamb. He crouched there. And the prey did come. And he caught the prey. And he brought the prey to the heaven to enjoy there. Don't forget Ephesians chapter 4, verse 8 says what? When he ascended, he ascended with a train of vanquished bow. 
and this train of vanquished bow was just his prey. And after that, he got satisfied. Don't forget this is poetry. Christ is resting on the mountaintop. Using the key word, he is sitting there. Christ is sitting on the throne in heaven. But in poetry, it says what? It says, after he finished the eating of the prey, he got the satisfaction, he crouches there. He lies there to enjoy the rest. Have you ever got such a vision? And have you ever experienced such a Christ? Is your Christ firstly a young lion to you? And now, followingly, is a satisfied lion resting there with you or not? When I was young, I tell you, I was bothered by all the enemies. One day I saw all the enemies became the prey to my Christ already. My temper, my problems, all my weaknesses, all my enemies, all became the prey of Christ. And Christ went to the cross, I tell you, he captured, he caught all the prey. In his resurrection, he led a chain of vanquished bow to the heavens for his enjoyment. Now, he is not fighting anymore. He is couching there. He is lying down for rest. Ron, I love this portion very much, particularly in seeing that as the lion of the tribe of Judah, Christ is well able to devour all of our problems. Please develop this more for us, that what are our little enemies become prey for the Lion of Judah. Let's be reminded of the significance of the Lord as the overcoming lion. The lion deals with the enemy, principally Satan, the enemy of God. There is not only this great enemy, there are also various practical expressions of this enemy in our personal lives and even in our inner being. So this great enemy has sown his evil nature as a source of enmity into us. Maybe you have the enemy of jealousy or the enemy of anger. There is no way that you can defeat this enemy yourself. But if you would realize that in your spirit you have Christ as a conquering lion, he is the one commissioned by God to devour the enemy jealousy and the enemy anger. So we need the lion to conquer the enemies that we can be one with this lion for God's economy. Thank you, Ron. We're not through looking at the lion yet. We have a lioness and some cubs ahead, as well as a haven of the sea. 
Let's rejoin Witness Lee. The young lion is for what? Fighting to win the victory. The lion couching there is a sign that he got the victory and he got the prey and he has eaten up the prey and he got satisfied and he's resting there. So first you have the young lion, then you have the couching lion, then you have the lion nice. What does this mean? This means what? This means this lion is going to bring forth a lot of children. You know the word cup, C-U-B? Baby lion. Cup. This lioness is going to bring forth a lot of cups. Christ is not only the fighting lion, but also the what? Coaching lion. Resting lion. And also what? The producing lioness. We are all his cup. Well, let's go on. Then why after Judah, Zebulun comes in? Why not uh, Issachar first, but Zebulun? Zebulun is a haven of sheep. If you don't have the New Testament, it's hard for us to understand this poetry. The fulfillment of this poetry is, I tell you, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 14. The Lord Jesus began his ministry. From where? From Zeppelin. And Zeppelin was Galilee. It was the Galileans that brought forth the gladiators of this lion. To all the earth. So now you understand the poetry. That means what? That means all the Galilean disciples were a heaven of ships to bring forth the good news of Christ. Being the fighting lion, being the resting lion, and being the producing lion to all the parts of the world. Then you did in Deuteronomy 33, Moses says, Zebulun, you rejoice in your going out. And Zebulun did go out. Go out with the glad tidings. Go out with the victory of Christ. Go out with the satisfaction of Christ. Those Galilean went out with what? With Christ victory, Christ satisfaction, Christ production. I tell you, this was the glad tidings. In the church life, we realize our Christ as the fighting lion, as the resting, satisfied lion, as the producing lion. Everything has been accomplished. There is the rich produce, rich harvest, no more of labor. Then what? Then there is the preaching. The uh, heaven of Zebulun to send out the good news of the uh, land of the tribe of Judah. 
then well also is not working, not laboring, but resting or enjoying the riches of Christ. Well, we are resting and enjoying Christ in such a way. We are willing to bow down our shoulder to bear the heavy burden that we could serve until tribute, that we could do the task work to produce some tribute that we can offer to our king, to our master. This is today's miniature of the coming millennium. Ron, at the conclusion of today's word, I think we need more help with the interpretation of these last three prophecies concerning Judah, Zebulun, and Issachar. Christ is a lion in at least three aspects. Number one, he is the conquering lion. Number two, he is the resting lion. He can rest in his victory, enjoying the prey. And third, he is a producing lion. So he's likened to a lioness. We know from Revelation 19 that when the Lord Jesus returns, he will not come alone, but with a bridal army. This brings in Zebulun. Zebulun is the one who proclaims the victory, who announces the news that Christ the overcoming lion has prevailed. This is good news. We can enjoy him, be delivered by him, and even become a reproduction of him. However, the temptation is when we want to do a work for God, even in preaching the gospel, we lose sight of the fact our work must be based on our rest and enjoyment. So for this we need Issachar. We need to be a laboring one, who first enjoys Christ in full satisfaction as rest, who lies down in Christ and with Christ to rest in Him, and in this rest is energized and supplied to labor in love faithfully and persistently for the carrying out of God's eternal economy. Well, Ron, we begin this program today with a question, why is it necessary to apply these Old Testament portions to our New Testament Christian life. But I think we got a very graphic and vivid answer in today's Life Study. Please call us toll-free, 1-888-LIFE-STUDY. And also our email address is radio at lsm.org. Of course, you can send cards or letters as well to Living Stream Ministry, Post Office Box 2121, Anaheim, California, 92814. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Life Study of the Bible with Witness Lee, brought to you by Living Stream Ministry. The focus of Living Stream is the works of Watchman Nee and Witness Lee, two co-laborers with the Lord in China in the first half of the 20th century. After World War II, Witness Lee brought this ministry first to Taiwan, then later to North America and eventually to the entire world. 
For more than 20 years, he spoke these life study messages, unveiling how each book of the Bible shows God's eternal plan. God, through Christ, wants to dispense his life and nature into redeemed man so that man would become God's expression, enlargement, counterpart, and habitation. These studies go far beyond mere doctrine and unveil a personal, practical, and experiential Christ. In these short 26-minute programs, we summarize and condense Witness Lee's rich speaking. But to enjoy all the riches in these messages, we hope you'll visit our website at lifestudy.com. There, you can read all of the Life Study messages absolutely free of charge. You can even create your own Life Study reading schedule or download more Life Study audio programs just like this one and all at no cost. Again, the website, lifestudy.com. Thanks for listening. Was Jesus simply a great religious leader? The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John chapter 1, verse 29. Based on the scriptures, the religious people were looking for a great leader, but Jesus was introduced to them as a little lamb with a little dove. The lamb is for redemption, to redeem fallen man back to God. And the dove is for life-giving, for anointing, to anoint man with what God is, to bring God into man and man into God. Both the lamb and the dove are needed for man to participate in God. Scripture, John 1.29, and commentary from the New Testament Recovery Version published by Living Stream Ministry. For more information, visit lsm.org.